Hey there, I'm Sister Catherine Herms, author of Surviving Depression and Reclaim Regret, How God Heals Life's Disappointments. And it's great to be able to spend these next few moments together with you. I believe that we need more than information to heal our souls. We need to actually touch the wound, touch that space within us that longs for healing, that knows that it needs God's love, His presence, in order to find peace. You already have that peace deep within you. You're already in some way on that journey. But it is important and really helpful to have ways of bringing ourselves deeper than we live normally from day to day. How do we get below the surface? How do we touch that place where we discover that we are already loved, that we are made in the image of love, that we have been touched by love? So let's begin with a deep breath. Separate yourself from reactive thinking, from fear, from worry, from blame. Sink deep down into the very center of your own reality, that place within you that knows most deeply that you were made by love and for love. Even before making peace with ourselves, most of us probably would like to see God, to have proof that He is really there, really there for us. We aren't so ready to give God the benefit of the doubt. It's too risky, and we know very well how much blind trust can cost. No, we want to see God's radiant face shining on us. If God shows up and proves true to who He says He is, then we will surely believe in Him. So close your eyes. Take a quick scan of your body, starting with the crown of your head all the way down to your feet. Tell each part of your body to relax. With each breath drawn in, say, peace. And with each breath that you let out, say light, peace and light, peace and light. Let go of everything, memories, ideas, dreams, worries, plans. Let go of noises, voices, people. Let there only be now. Come into the present moment. In your imagination, go to your safe place and spend some time there, deepening your sense of peace. You can pray, There is nothing I am waiting for, Lord. There is nothing I expect. You see, I am here in this place of warmth and safety. I am alone. I am told you are here too. I cannot feel you. I cannot see you. I can't even be sure 
if you are listening to me, but I bow down nevertheless, and I adore you. You are my God. You are forever. You are all. You are darkness and light. You are nearby and far away. You are present in the stars, and you are in every cell of my body. You are the beginning and the end. You are invisible. You are safe. You are strength. You are patience. You are beauty. You are gentleness. You are the fury of truth that will not back down. And you are the tenderness of love that will never end. I cannot see you. I cannot feel you. I don't even know what you look like or what you think of me. And that doesn't really matter. What is important to me right now is that I adore you because you are God. You are my creator. You keep me in existence. Yours are the first eyes I will see when I awake after death. It is important to me to adore you, even if today I may not be able to love you. Remain in silence. Accept whatever you are feeling. Peace, anger, resistance, bitterness, joy, hope, excitement. Let the feelings rise and fall until there is silence. I met him on retreat. I was a member of the retreat team, he a retreatant, with all the enthusiasm and glow of someone who had just found the fountain of eternity. Antonio, an Italian man in his 50s, gave the appearance that, that he would be more at home in his brother's corner cafe in a village of Tuscany than in a retreat house in the United States. He had a lot to say, too much, some thought. Indeed, a silent retreat probably taxed Antonio to the limit. As I set the table for the final celebratory meal that ended the retreat, Antonio shared with me not only his story, but also the nuggets of wisdom he had gleaned from his years of searching for peace. Antonio told me, One day, just as I came home from confession, my son did something that irritated me, and I got upset. Antonio covered his head with his hands. I can't believe it. I said to myself, I just went to confession and I've already screwed up again. Thinking his problem was not having made a really complete confession, Antonio enlisted the prayers of some nuns and then made another appointment for the Sacrament of Reconciliation. He wanted this liturgical moment to be the confession that would mark the end of one life and the beginning of another. Afterward, however, he said, I still didn't feel any different. In fact, I was as impatient and irritated with my children as before. What is wrong with me? I asked myself. One Sunday after Mass, I stopped to speak with the priest. I explained to him the situation 
and he asked me one question. But did you repent? A light went on. That's it. I had gone to confession, but I hadn't repented. I wasn't willing to take the concrete steps needed to change my life. I wasn't willing to undergo a 100% conversion. And sister, he says solemnly to me, when you ask God for the 100%, you'd better be careful because God answers your prayers. He brings you the whole way. It's like this. You start to pray. You get going in the spiritual life. You become better and you reach a plateau around 30%. Then you say, hey, I've worked hard. This is pretty good. I feel better. I feel close to God. I'm going to stay right here. And what happens is you just level off. You never go for the 100%. There is something about the plateau we like. We'd rather keep up part of our unrepentant lifestyle. We don't really want to let God ask for total surrender, a complete and continuous change of heart. But if we tell God we want to go the whole way, then again his words were replaced by a radiant smile that expressed his experience of the inexpressible. Antonio was unable to find the words but I knew what he meant. When you tell God, I give you everything, God takes it all. And in doing so, God frees you from yourself. Even when you feel grief or pain over what you have relinquished, you will find you have gained so much more than what you lost. As the time for a final group sharing arrived, I learned more about Antonio's wisdom as we concluded our conversation. He said, When we first take our Christian discipleship seriously and commit ourselves to accountability with other Christians who are doing the same, we find out that we have a lot of rough edges. Our personality might be harsh, or we're sharp in the way we relate to others, or we're a bit out of shape in our prayer. But it is a process of following Christ that helps us to go deeper and deeper into ourselves so that we empty ourselves. Prayer, the sacraments, commitment to a group or spiritual direction. We empty ourselves completely so that Jesus can take up residence more fully within us. Jesus changes our sharp edges and makes us gentle. It's a practical thing. It's working with God in a real way. It requires sincerity. And once we love the truth above everything, God sets us free. That's communion. Another man's face had worn the radiance of the inexpressible one, and his name was Moses. Moses had the often thankless job of leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt back to the land God had given Abraham and his descendants over 400 years earlier. This land was to have been their perpetual possession, yet when famine later struck the world, Jacob, Abraham's grandson renamed Israel, and his entire family fled their homeland to Egypt. 
There Joseph, Jacob's son with the big dreams and the multicolored coat, had ended up after his brothers had sold him into slavery. The young man had climbed the ranks of power quickly after correctly interpreting Pharaoh's unsettling dreams, foreshadowing a worldwide famine. Through Joseph's preparation, the people survived. Jacob and his family were given refuge, later settling in Egypt. As generations passed and the Israelites increased, however, they became enslaved by the Egyptians. Their manual work supplied the manpower for Egypt's immense architectural projects. God had other plans for his people. Moses was to obtain their release from Egypt and lead them back to their own land. But the Hebrews were a stiff-necked people, fickle in their love for and loyalty to the God who had rescued them from bondage. Over and over again, Moses interceded for the people before Yahweh, and in the rough and tumble of his own relationship with the Lord, the two became the closest of friends. When Moses came down from the mountain after speaking with Yahweh, or left the tent of meeting, his face shone with a radiance no one else could bear to look upon. The glory of his countenance expressed his privileged place as a servant close to Yahweh. From the book of Exodus we read, One day Moses took the risk of asking the Lord for a vision of his glory. Moses said, Show me your glory, I pray. And the Lord continued, See, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name, The Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Although he had continual experiences of intimacy with the Lord, Moses always remained unsatisfied. He even asked the Lord for his friendship, as if he hadn't received any sign of the Lord's love before. Gregory of Nyssa, in his book, The Life of Moses, defines the vision of God as never to be satisfied in the desire to see him. Spirituality, both for Antonio and Gregory of Nyssa, is growth. Antonio affirms, conversion isn't a one-time thing. It happens over and over again. It takes a commitment. Then you know healing of the heart and grace lift us up. It is going from step to step, from glory to glory, in a continuous movement toward greater faith, hope, and love. Sin can be defined as a refusal to grow. God, on the other hand, is an infinite horizon always beckoning us further into the divine majesty. 
Communion with God is a constant ascent from glory to glory. With each step, we joyously expect something more. Perfection is lived, therefore, when the only thing worthy of honor and desire is for us to become God's friends. And when falling from God's friendship is the worst thing that could befall us. Show me your glory, Lord, I pray. Show me your glory. So let's stop here. Be still. Let the words we have heard settle in our hearts and our souls. Let us notice where they have burrowed out some deeper place of meaning where they've opened up a window of peace, a space for newness or hope. Turn to Jesus and speak to him directly about what these words have meant to you, could mean to you going forward. Bring before him one situation that you need his presence with you for a place that you need his mercy and his compassion. Jesus has a word for you in that place. If there is one thing on which we can all agree, it is that the world needs this soul healing. When we're loved, we thrive. It's that simple. The truth is that you can walk free of the wounds that are binding your heart and suffocating your relationships. Healing and holiness is a process. It's a journey. And you are already on it. But if you were like me, you might need some simple helps along the way. I hope you join me on my private Facebook group for weekly video conferences. Just look up my name, Sister Catherine Herms. And if you become a Patreon member, you will get immediate access to over 60 video and audio programs to help you grow in holiness, as well as exclusive content and monthly journaling pages geared to help you on your spiritual journey. So I hope to see you around. Bye now, and may you walk amid the blessings of God this day.